We're nearing the end of the uh, book of Revelation. Not many more chapters to go here. And uh, you know, last week we talked a lot about the resurrection. But there is a second coming that we're looking forward to that Revelation tells us about. It tells us about the glorified Christ and how he becomes victor over the kingdom of darkness. And the thing about it is that we have to understand, and the Bible teaches us, is that that kingdom of darkness came about because Adam and Eve um, disobeyed God. They didn't trust God. They turned away from His goodness and His love and decided to, to for themselves to be, uh, come like God and decide for themselves what is right and wrong. And because of that, humanity has been corrupted in their hearts ever since and turned away from God. And it's an evening, even playing field with God. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. But they are also justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so when we repent and, and, and of, our, of our sins and turn to Christ who has redeemed us from our sins, we have a sure hope in Him, even in the midst of a darkened world. In Revelation 19, we come to um, a song about um, the destruction of Babylon the Great. I'm sorry, I, I skipped ahead to 19. We're, we're in 18. Pardon me. And in, in chapter 18, we have the fall of Babylon occurring here. It, it is a song about the fall of Babylon. Usually what happens is that, um, and, and we've seen this pattern all the way through, um, whatever is announced in heaven then takes place on earth. We're still hearing an announcement from heaven of Christ's victory over the world and the fall of Babylon the Great. We're going to see it happen on earth in chapter 19 when the King of Glory comes through the gates. I want to read to you, first of all, from uh, chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, verses 1 through 8, which says this, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Count out of, Come out of her, my people, come out of her, my people lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she, has paid, as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury, and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. 
For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We live in, in a culture today that seems to be pushing a, a very wicked agenda. We see things on Hollywood, um, stars caught up in public infidelity and, and divorce and sexual immorality. I don't know if you follow these things. I probably follow them a little too much and, and sometimes I get too much information that I wish I hadn't heard or seen. But there, there, there are some very public and terrible uh, divorces going on right now. Uh, two I can think of, you know, uh, I, I don't know what, whether it's official yet, but, you know, Will Smith and, and his uh, wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, we, we saw the famous slap on the Oscars, and, and I, I think they're, they're probably getting ready to have a, have a divorce. And, uh, you know, there's other ones, I, I don't know if you've, you've seen lately, but, but it's out there for public display as, as if, um, you know, th this is common fare for peop people to see. And, you know, it, it really exposes the cultural rot that is Hollywood. We see companies like, like Disney promoting um, all sorts of things, sexual immorality, and, and, and trying to say that this is right and this is good, and we're going to challenge anybody who, who um, uh, fights against it. Or, you know, and in Florida, for example, they came out against that bill that was to protect children in schools from hearing about um, you know, sexual education for kids who were, you know, from kindergarten to fifth grade. That's all it does. Six, sixth grade and up, you know, they, they say that, um, you know, kids, kids are awakened sexually. They can have sex education then, but they're trying to protect young children from hearing about it in the classroom. And, uh, and the Disney Corporation it says, we're going up against that because that's ridiculous. You know, we, we need to promote... Um, these 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 uh, people with gender identity issues and and uh, you know wh whatever alphabet they want to use um, I, I'm not going to use that alphabet because that kind of legitimizes it um, you know uh, I always kind of mock it by saying Q W E R T Y uh, <laughs> community um, if you know what you know, Q W E R T Y is look at any keyboard um, <laughs> but anyway. I, I kind of make fun of the, those kinds of things, but, but, but seriously, the, this kind of uh, cultural rot is going on um, in, in our culture, in our society, and you know, it's easy for us to get caught up with it because sometimes we, we like to go with, with the flow. And, and, it's, and, and it's not just you know, Hollywood or, or the media or you know, the, these, these kind of big companies that, that are promoting it. Um, I, None of this stuff would, would have gotten any traction if it hadn't have been for, you know, everyday people just going along to get along and, and allowing these things to come forth. And, and, and even believers, I think, have been uh, some, uh, very, very complacent. In fact, um, it used to be that the church influenced the culture around it. We used to be a light in the darkness. And, and, and we, need to, we, we still need to be a light in the darkness. That, that's what we talked about last week when we talked about resurrection mission. 
living in a way that we know Jesus is alive today, that he is coming back, and then uh, telling others that he is coming back, and that, that they, they can enter into his kingdom and have his forgiveness and love again in their hearts. But the kingdom of darkness is still around us in this world, and we're called to be a kingdom of light. This kingdom of darkness, Revelation has named Babylon. And, and what it is really is, is the kingdom that Satan has established within the hearts of men to counter God's kingdom and his dominion and his um, authority, his, his love, his purity. It, this is the ancient battle that, that Revelation talked about. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Babylon represents this, this kingdom of darkness, all of it. And, and, and we're not just talking about symbolism here. We're talking about human beings in rebellion to God, the last final wicked kingdom which sets itself up against God. It's coming. And, and, and it may, may already be here as far as I'm concerned if we, if we look at um, where America is today, that, that this final horrific kingdom is going to fall and, and collapse under the weight of God's glory. This kingdom began in the garden, as we were saying earlier, when Adam and Eve um, partook of, of the, um, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it's not that God wanted to limit their knowledge. The devil is the one who, who said that God knows that if you eat of it, you'll be like him. He planted that evil thought in their minds. He... The devil is the one who said that God was trying to limit them. What the tree of knowledge and good and evil represented is th this idea that I don't need God to decide what's right and wrong. I can determine what's right and wrong. Morality is within myself. I don't need God. That, that, that's, what, that, that's the fundamental problem with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they took of that in, in, in rebellion against God. And, and, and the world fell away. And uh, they were cast out of paradise because of it. They, they ruined their relationship with God who loved them and cared for them in the garden. And, and you know, God doesn't want a bunch of mind-numb robots. He wants people to return um, their love to Him as He has loved them. And so He gave them this test. He gave them the choice. And they chose to reject Him. Now, th those who um, went out from Eden, eventually, um, it says that, that in, in Genesis that, that the earth grew violent and vile. And it, and it was everybody on the earth except for one righteous family, Noah and his family. That tells us a lot about how um, wicked the world had become during that time. Only God could only find one person in his family who, who still... Um, loved him and wanted to serve him. So he wipes, he wipes that kingdom of darkness out with the flood, saves Noah and his family so that the kingdom can start over again. But even then, the survivors um, that came out of the flood, the, 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 those who came after um, Noah and his family, um, you know, they began to grow and become numerous again and they formed a kingdom in, in, in this valley of uh, Shinar which is um, another word for Babylon, the ancient kingdom of Babylon. They came together and built the Tower of Babel, 
which is where you know Babylon gets its name, and they they built it think in defiance of the one true God, and the the idea was they were going to set themselves up as God or this one king that was over them as God, because he would ascend the the tower and sit on top of it as as God. You know, you know, God God is in the clouds, so we'll build a tower up to the clouds. So that you know we, we can have this rebellious king in defiance of God. What did God do? Well, instead of destroying them this time, it says he, they, he confused the world's languages and spread them out through all the earth. Babylon comes back later on as the nation of Egypt, which, which enslaved the people of God and, and put them under oppression and, and uh, showed them what paganism looked like. And they, they were trapped in that, that, that wickedness and evil for, for um, 400 years. And then one day God raised up a man named Moses to come rescue him. Rescue him. And Moses and his servant Joshua, they, they eventually, through them, the nations, the nations of, of, of Israel came together, the tribes of Israel, and there was a kingdom formed, and that kingdom was supposed to be God's kingdom, the light in the world, the one that would counter the, the darkness of, of, of these wicked kingdoms like Babylon. And yet even that kingdom failed because people did not give their hearts truly over to God. They, they, they went with the culture around them. They, they followed the sexual immorality and, and idolatry. And that kingdom collapsed under Babylon again, <laughs> the wicked kingdom of darkness. Um, a, a revived Babylon, so to speak, the second Babylonian empire, came in and wiped them out and took them into exile. God eventually brought Israel out of, out of Babylon, again, out of the, the kingdom of darkness, and brought them back to their homeland. And then about 400 years after that is when Christ comes, and, and He's the one that sets up the true kingdom of God on earth. The one perfect Israelite, God in the flesh, comes to, to uh, establish God's kingdom of light in the world. And that kingdom, Jesus said, would be like a mustard seed starting out real small, and then it grows into the greatest tree in the garden. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, God's kingdom has grown on earth in the hearts of His believers, but Babylon the Great is all around us. Babylon the Great is, is the city of wickedness, of immorality, sexual immorality, paganism, idolatry, violence and death. And we know one day that when Christ returns, this city, this great kingdom, is going to fall. It's represented here as an adulterous prostitute. And, and, and all the kingdoms of the earth have have had their way with her, so to speak. They've come to her. They've followed right along with its cultural rot. They've supported this wicked kingdom that is oppressing the earth. It talks about how merchants have come with their ships full of gold to give to this great prostitute so that she could live in luxury and they got rich off of her luxuries. Excessive greed and wealth. That wickedness is going to fall. It's going to be destroyed. 
And it's going to happen with the Lord Almighty who has judged her. It says that her sins and, and her atrocities and her immorality have, have reached as high as heaven. And, and, and God sees how terrible things ha have become. And, that, and that, that's what's coming in these last days. And, and, and we may already be there. I, I don't know. I've always said I don't believe there's anything that, that I see that's holding Jesus back from coming again. I don't think, I don't think there's, there's one thing that has to happen for Jesus Christ to return. Possibly one thing is that we, we don't see a clear Antichrist yet who has set up a, a one-world government. That, that's the only thing I, I can think of that, that, that um, and, and we may already have it. I, I don't know. I'm not looking for who Antichrist is. I'm looking for who Christ is. And when he comes, and the description of his coming in great power, which no man can stop. And that's what's interesting here. As, as much as our culture tries to get away from God, as, as much as they, they try to silence um, believers, as much as they try to push them out of the public square, as, as much as they try to persecute them and kill them, maybe not here in this country, but in other countries it's happening, as much as they try to, to um, you know, stop the, these, these believers from speaking out, there is nothing that will stop Jesus Christ from coming back into this world and putting an end to the kingdom of darkness and making all things right again. There is nothing that, that will stop His justice. There is nothing that will stop His love from coming into the world. There is nothing that will stop His zeal for His believers, for His sheep, He calls them. Not because sheep are dumb. That, that, that's a mis, I, misconstrued idea. We're sheep because of God's care for us. He tends and, and, he, and, he, and he feeds us. And he loves, he loves his sheep. He loves those who follow him. Because of his zeal for his believers, there is nothing that's going to stop him from coming into the world and putting an end to oppression, darkness, sinfulness, rebellion, sexual immorality, all of it. It's all going to be swept away in one big conflagration at the end of history. It's going to burn, it says here. That wicked kingdom is going to disappear from the earth when Christ returns. But here's the question that Revelation, or the command that Revelation has for us. The command from heaven says this in verse 4. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share her in her plagues. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Come out of her, my people. It's not just talking about escapism there. It's talking about coming out of, of the cultural influence that, that's around us. It's talking about coming out fully from that kingdom of darkness into God's, into God's glorious light. If you believe in Christ and you call yourselves Christians, you call yourselves the people of God, you call yourselves the children of God, then we must come out of all the things that Babylon is doing. We must come out of, of idolatry. 
We may not have gods as, as they did back then. We, we may not worship at the altar of, of an image of stone or wood. But I can tell you that there's plenty of things in this material world that we value. Even more so than God. The pursuit of money or wealth. Jesus said, it's not the money that's the root of all evil, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. You have to remember that. Sometimes that gets misquoted. But going after the riches of the world is, 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 is greed and idolatry. It, it, it's worshiping the things in this material world. We look at the lives of the rich and famous. I don't know if you remember that old TV show. The lives, you know, the lives of the rich and famous. <clears throat> but we used, to, we used to value that. We, we used to love seeing their homes. We used to love seeing tours of their homes and their, their yachts and, and whatever else. <clears throat> and and those, that, those are the things that, that, that tended to get glorified. We need to come out of those things. We need to come out of some of the programming that, that we watch. And, and, and I want to tell you this, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are clearly sinful out there that we don't need to participate in. But I also know that, that the Bible talks a lot about the conscience. Now, some of you might be able to watch certain things and not be bothered by it. Some of you watch certain things and it really does bother you about it, but you keep on watching it. God says if you violate your own conscience, um, that's a sin too. That there, there's a lot of things the Bible doesn't talk about that, that puts it in the arena of conscience. And we have to do all we can to not violate our own conscience but with, with things in this world. We have to do a lot of things to protect our thoughts. The Apostle Paul tells us that whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is, is uh, lovely, think on these things, he says. He also tells us to take captive every thought for Jesus Christ. Coming out of, out of the world doesn't mean physically coming out of the world. But it means that in, in our hearts and in our lives and in the way that, that we live, we live for Christ first and foremost and everything else in our culture needs to be put aside. Coming out of the world means living differently than the rest of the way the world does. Paul says in Galatians that, that we need to put off our um, anger and, and, infi and fighting and, and dissensions and our political ambitions, those kinds of things, our, our greed, our lust, we need to put away those things, our sexual immorality, and put on the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Coming out of Babylon mean, means we put away the way the rest of the world lives, and we put on what, what pleases God, and that what pleases God can only come from His Spirit. We can't, we can't manufacture this kind of morality. We can't manufacture this kind of self-control. Some people have tried it. And some people may even live under things like the Golden Rule. But only Christ can give us His Holy Spirit who produces these things in us so that we... And we talked about being marked by His Spirit. 
that, that, you know, being marked by God's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and He seals us and He protects us and, and He comes to help us to live the way Christ wants us to live. Differently than the rest of the world lives. Differently than, than the sin that's all around us. When we repent of our sins and ask for Christ's forgiveness, and we do that truly from our heart, in our hearts and minds, we've turned away from our sins and turned towards God. The gift of Christ is the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Forgiveness wipes the record clean. That's what I call the negative aspect of salvation, meaning something's been taken away. Our sins are being taken away because of Christ's sacrifice. They're being forgiven. But then the positive part of salvation is that God imparts His Spirit within us through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He is the one that produces all the good things that help us to live differently from the world. The problem is, is that we have to surrender to God's Spirit. We have to put the things that hold us back away from us and concentrate on God and His Holy Spirit and allow Him to work within us so that we can truly come out of Babylon the Great. And coming out of Babylon the Great means that, that, that we're part of God's glorious kingdom. It means that, that when He comes again, we will have robes that are white, hearts that are innocent before Him. So that when He comes, He'll find us faithful and welcome us into our kingdom while He is wiping out the wicked armies of darkness who are trying to defend that great and terrible city of Babylon, continuing on in rebellion against Christ even though He has shown up before them. <laughs> Some people say that when heaven appears and that when Christ appears, everybody will fall to their knees and begin and, and repent. I don't think that's going to be the case. There are some people that, that will still say, better to reign in hell than, than serve in heaven. And will rebel against Christ. The devil is the chief, the chief rebel. He'll never bow the knee to God. And if he won't bow the knee, then those who follow him will likely not bow the knee to him either. The question is, are we going to count ourselves with, with, with the, the world that is around us and continue to affirm the things that, that the world affirms and participate in the things that the world around us um, you know, continues in? Or are we going to follow the truth of Christ, the one for whom all history is moving towards? He is at the end of history, and, and all things are moving towards Him, whether we want it to or not. And nothing can stop him from coming back into the world. And a question is, again, that I think Revelation asks over and over, and we've talked about it over the last few weeks. Are you on the winning team? It's not an easy thing to do to go against the culture that's around us. It's not an easy thing to do to put off our sins. It's not an easy thing... To for us to do to put off wicked habits and habitual sin. 
The Bible defines what sin is for us. All we've got to do is look to it to understand it. And where the Bible does not define sin, we have to rely on a God-controlled conscience. Are we fully surrendered to Him? Can I do this thing and still glorify Jesus Christ? Can I be involved in this and still keep my integrity? Or will others think badly about me? Some people say, I, I don't care what people think about me. Well, you better because if you're, if you're saying that you're a believer, you're representing God on earth. And even though you might be fine with what you're doing, that thing might cause that other person to fall. Paul talks about that. Don't let what you do become a stumbling block to someone else. You better be thinking about, about those things. You know, how, how much of the culture is in me? And how much is God through Jesus Christ in me? The call is to come out of those things, to come out of our sins, to come out of Babylon the Great, and come to Christ who established this world, who made this world to be good, who filled it with wonderful and lovely things, and, and He filled it with us, people who were made in His image, people who, who, whom He made to, to him, to, for Himself to love and for them to return love to Him. It's not just that God wanted people to worship and serve Him. He wanted people because God is love. And He wants us to return that love. But so often we, we've slapped His hand away in our own lives. The very one who made us, the very one who loves us, the very one from whom all good things come in this world. He created this world to be good. We turn from Him and turn into wickedness. But even, even after that, God does not abandon us. He came in human flesh through His Son, Jesus Christ, in order to save humanity from its own self-destruction. And He took the penalty of death in order to free us from the curse of sin and death. But thank God He didn't stay dead. He rose again to eternal life, through whom we have eternal, the promise of eternal life as well. If we hold fast to Him, if we repent of our sins, and, and, and allow His Spirit to control us, and turn ourselves over to Him, fully surrendered to Him, and if we do that, we have the promise of an eternal life and an eternal kingdom to come. Are there, are there things in this culture that we can participate in? Yes. But we have to remember that culture is corrupt. And what we have to do as believers is stand as a light to others, a light of love and of truth before others. Putting off those things that God calls sin putting off those things that we cannot glorify God in, putting off, putting off those things that, that defile our conscience before God. We must remain in Him, Jesus said, and I will remain in you. <laughs> to the very end, no matter what cultural influence comes, no matter what opposition comes, no matter what oppression comes, no matter what persecution may come, when we hold on to Him, we will gain the victory that Christ has promised over this world and over the kingdom of darkness. And you can claim that victory in Him today. 
If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, and, and you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, then all you have to do is ask Him, Lord, forgive me a sinner, and help me to be the believer that you, you called me to be. Help me to get rid of the sin in my life. Help me to get rid of the things, do away with the things that are destroying me. All you got to do is ask Him and He'll forgive you. And if you're struggling with, with, with your conscience, you're struggling with your relationship with God, and you say, Lord, you know, help me to come out of all these things that, that, that are destructive. And help me, Lord, to draw closer to you in, in this time of need. You can pray and do that too. You can surrender fully to God in, in your heart and recommit yourself to Him. And the promise is that, that God will forgive you. He'll pour out His Spirit upon you and give you a renewed strength. Let's stand. Let's pray.